Good morning, Wrestling Inc. Welcome back. <laughs> it is time for another episode of The Winkly. I am your managing editor, Nick Hausman, and giggling, tittering in the background is a man who's not usually here on Thursdays. It's been too long, honestly, since he's been on the show here. It's Michael Weissman. Michael, welcome back to the Winkley. You said I was tittering. I don't know that I've heard that word used in that context, so I'll take it. That was um that was a hell of an intro there. That was a WrestleMania size. Good morning. I gotta give you props for that. End of the week, buddy. You gotta push yourself harder than usual to wrap the week up. And that's what Thank we're gonna you. that's what we're gonna do here. We're gonna push ourselves to do the absolute best punditry possible here when it comes to pro wrestling. And uh, before we get to it here though, uh, today I do want to send out my best wishes to the folks of uh, Deer Park, Texas, and the surrounding Houston area. Uh, I, as a, a, a native Houstonian, uh, know the Deer Park area. I've been past where those chemical uh, fires broke out. I heard that everybody today uh, down in Deer Park is told to avoid the air outside, um, which is a very scary thing to hear. So my thoughts are with everybody down in Deer Park in the Houston area today. Uh, spooky stuff, man. Crazy times we live in these days, you know? Yeah, man, it really is. Anything could happen, but yep, that's a a great shout out there at the beginning of the podcast. So (laughs) if you are hunkered down and sheltered down in Deer Park and you're listening to the show today, I hope we bring you some joy and a distraction from what is going on. And man, do we have a a stacked card here today. Not only are you going to get to hear me and uh, Michael here talk all about the the news of the past 24 hours in the world of pro wrestling, uh, we are also going to uh, we are also going to play. Andy Malnoski's interview with Tully Blanchard later in the show. Andy, of course, will be doing ring uh, ring announcing for WWE's live event in Elmira, New York, this Saturday night. Very excited for him, but you're going to get to hear Andy talk to Tully Blanchard later on the show. And just before that, between that and me and Michael Weissman talking the news, sandwich in there, you're going to get to hear me chat with Glenn Gilberti about the merits of women's wrestling and the women's revolution. Are you excited, Mike? I am totally excited. That is fantastic. Stuff. So Andy, Andy Molnowski, fill people in about uh, who, who that is and, and why they should care. Well, Andy is, uh, I know he works, I think, for the NBC affiliate uh, out on the East Coast. He's had interviews here on the show. We've played some of Andy's interviews in the past. He's a very nice guy, very talented guy. Um, I know he'll be in, in uh, New York, New Jersey for a little bit of WrestleMania weekend. But uh, just a guy to keep your eye on. You know, just a mover and shaker, hustler like the rest of us, just doing great work. I know he had a couple tryouts to do the the WWE announcing thing. Finally seems like he's going to get a real shot and play in front of a real crowd this Saturday night in Elmira. So stoked to have him here. Yeah, stoked to have him uh, as part of the team and stoked to hear him uh, talk to Tully Blanchard here later on the show. Uh, And with Wrestling Inc., we never stop moving. Like I say, we're all hustlers here. I'll be hustling my way to C2E2 uh, this Saturday afternoon uh, covering... General events for the site, but also at 2.45, there will be an AEW panel with the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega, and uh, I will be in the front row with my uh, live stream going on Facebook for everybody out there uh, in Wrestling Inc., so uh, that's just something fun uh, for you guys to get excited about. And I did That's a pretty big pop culture podcast there in Chicago, isn't it? It's the biggest pop culture convention in the Midwest is C2E2. That's awesome. Yeah, it's E2E2. It's a cool. I'm, I mean, I think they're already sold out. If they're not, I would grab a ticket, especially if you're a wrestling fan. The Pro Wrestling Tees booth will have the Young Bucks, Kenny Omega, Marty Skrull, and CM Punk. What a murderer's row if you're a hardcore wrestling fan right now. 
That's pretty awesome. That is Man. amazing. That's, a, that's incredible. Ryan Barkin, the center. Ryan Barkin, the t-shirt guy, center of the pro wrestling universe. <laughs> right, exactly. Center of the indie pro wrestling universe. I feel like I should move to Chicago sometimes just because you guys have so much happening there. Oh, it never stops, baby. I love but that. But also I... murder. You guys have murder, too. So. But that's a misnomer, okay? I don't want you spreading that lie. Look, we have— People don't die here. No, we have murder, but we're Fake a big news. city. Proportionally, our murder rate is actually lower than a lot of other big cities. And uh, not to say that we're a perfect city by any stretch. We certainly have our issues and could tighten up it and definitely parts of the city that are under uh, overlooked. But uh, I'm not going to let you spread that that garbage here <laughs> I, on the I, show. Strictly kidding. No, no, no. No, no. Listen, no but that's the thing. Work. Oh, that's the thing. Oh, this. Oh, now it's just a funny thing, Just's right? Kidding. Now it's just it's spilling over into everybody's vernacular. Oh, great. Yeah, cool. Kill the Just kill that. Kidding. Listen, yeah, I deal with this all the time. I live in the South, right? We're all dirty races down here if you listen to certain people, right? So I, I love Chicago. Totally kidding. Listen, we're going to New York. Everybody's going to New York in a couple of weeks for, for WrestleMania. I would never live in New York. I love going to Chicago. Could totally see myself living there. Such yeah. nice people live there. Beautiful, Not sucking up, I promise. Beautiful, wonderful city of Chicago. Everybody come visit Chicago. C2E2 this weekend. It's going to be great. And, of course, we talked to Tony Schiavone yesterday on the show. He'll be there as well. Uh, he's got a panel with Bischoff uh, tomorrow night, Friday night, uh, and he sounds like he's going to like get confrontational about some things that he's been accused of. So anyway, lots of fun. Go check that stuff out. And uh, let's get to it here today, Michael. Let's talk about the news you can use, news that can leave a bruise for the final time this week. Uh, and of course, the big news here, uh, continued fallout from Kofi Kingston getting screwed by Vince McMahon at SmackDown this past Tuesday night. Big E and Xavier Woods in a backstage video uh, from SmackDown, they told Kofi that they think they should quit WWE. They think the New Day should quit WWE. Kofi said, look, we can we can ride this out. We've ridden through other stuff in the past. He played it down. But since that has uh, been dropped, Big E has released his own video online reflecting on WWE and the glass ceiling that the New Day seems to have no matter how hard they work, no matter how good they get in shape. Uh, Xavier Woods also released his own video thanking Vince for helping to show him the direction he should take in his career, uh, building his small video game studio. So really blending a lot of uh, real-life stuff into this storyline, this this feud here between the New Day, Vince McMahon, and the WWE. What would you make all the videos that dropped yesterday? I dig the hell out of this storytelling, right? So, like, we all know that they're not actually going to quit and that this is all a little bit of uh, story storyline posturing, right? This is not actually Xavier Woods talking about leaving WWE. But I do like the way they're interweaving real-life stuff here. Number one, because I think putting these videos out on different channels makes the story more interesting because it's happening dynamically wherever you are, whatever media you're connected to with WWE, it's out there. But number two, it makes these characters, right? Xavier Woods, Big E, talking about real things it makes them feel like more fully featured performers we don't get to see these guys talk about these things as much unless you directly go out of your way to follow them on different channels especially xavier woods and his his gaming channel right so i like them tying that into the bigger storyline going on here with kofi kingston and it's just great to see wwe continue to kind of branch out and, and use its other channels and other mechanisms for reaching its fans as a way to completely tell this Kofi Kingston story. And it's, yeah, Big E and Xavier Woods are, you know, also starting to get a bit of a rub here from the, you know, meteoric, meteoric uh, rocket ride that Kofi Kingston is on. You know, as much as everybody seems to find Kofi, I love that Big E and Xavier finding ways to keep their name in the mix uh, also rebel uh, against Vince and WWE. Honestly, I would love it if Raw on Monday started with the New Day just to, you know, in the back, just tossing everything 
You know, uh, I, I mean, th- this re- I mean, realistically, right? I mean, these guys should not have any lines anymore. They, the, every yeah. line for them should be blurred. They should be on a on a war path, yeah. considering yeah. the way they've been treated. It should be. I don't know about Raw because, again, I, I like to keep SmackDown stuff on SmackDown. But I guess if, to your point, if they are angry, they should be showing up wherever they can to make a scene. So I, I could I could dig that. I could buy it. Yeah. It's good stuff, though. It's 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 really good stuff to see this storyline get this level of, of detail and attention. And to your point. Xavier Woods and Biggie are both huge talents outside of a new day. I love this gimmick, yeah. but what are these guys going to do in a couple of years? They could both go to some pretty great places outside of this this team. Man, and I wouldn't even, you know what? I wouldn't even wait for Raw. I'd have them do it at the live events this weekend. Yeah. Sit, sit-ins, you know, uh, just uh, surprise attacks. I mean, I, I love the I love this edge that the the new day gets to have now because they've been so battered down. I mean, Becky Lynch was was doing it there for a while, but man, that thing got convoluted with that women's title picture. Uh, I'm hoping that these guys can can stay focused here and continue to make this work and, and not let it get frazzled like it did with the, the triple threat women's title picture. So what you're saying is this storyline would be even better if we added another tag team and another singles wrestler to the mix. Okay. We, we, yeah, uh-huh, see where I'm going with this? I and then it. we fired one of them to get hired back next week, mm-hmm. and the other person replaces them. And then we turn Daniel Bryan face, even though he's a heel, and we make Kofi Kingston a heel, even though he's a face. Okay, okay. Now, here's the thing. Uh-huh. Is I'm going to talk to you uh, next Tuesday, so we won't actually see what happens on SmackDown yet. But why don't you tell me, Michael, how you think they get to Kofi versus Daniel Bryan, or if they, don't, or if they even do it this year, or do you think it'll even happen? I think it's going to happen. You've you've done way too much with this in the last two months to not let it happen. There's too much anticipation. And it's like the John Cena Undertaker thing last year. They had to do some form of that at WrestleMania. Otherwise, what was the point of that entire weird storyline from last year? But listen, Nick, we got two more weeks, right? So I think you've got to make the announcement this coming Tuesday on SmackDown because otherwise it looks really dumb for this company to be going into WrestleMania without one of its world championships not being defended or without one of its championships being defended on its biggest card of the year. So I expect them to threaten to walk out and them to threaten to leave and that to be kind of the impetus for McMahon to finally cave and give Kofi Kingston this opportunity. Mm-hmm. Now, why that is, he's he's kind of strutted his stuff for so long. Why them leaving, I don't know. But my assumption is it comes down to they make the argument, we're so good for business. We do this with merch. We do this and this and that and the other. It's kind of like the yes movement thing, right? It gets so big at a certain point, McMahon can't say no anymore. But I think it's got to be addressed this coming week on SmackDown. We can't wait till the final SmackDown before WrestleMania. It's just too short of a build, I believe. And, you know, it seems too straightforward to me for the New Day to just come out, make their case, and then Vince to, you know, give them what they want. I feel like they got to, like, take the man hostage. Like, Xavier Woods could maybe, like, <laughs> hack his way into Vince McMahon's bank account. And he's like, it's give us— has got a gun angle again, right? Is that <laughs> yes, yes. Something very similar, you know? I love the idea uh... of Xavier Woods hacking Vince's bank account and be like, give Kofi the match or I'm depleting your funds. I'm sending them all to charities. Can you—I'm going to give all your money to charity, Vince. How does that make you feel? The only way I think it really does, so I think you're right here, right? It, it, which is these guys kind of have to do something dramatic. And I, maybe it is too straightforward for them to come out and demand a match. McMahon has stacked the odds against them so dramatically. I think maybe the rest of the locker we saw it last week on SmackDown, or this past week on SmackDown. The locker room is behind Kofi Kingston. So maybe they all threaten to walk out. And that's what finally convinces Vince to give Kofi the match. Maybe. We'll see. Uh, I I prefer the idea of giving all of Vince's money to charity. That seems like a way to really get his attention. <laughs> I need that for the XFL. <laughs> no, Vince, no. I've given it to a worthy cause that battles climate change. It's like... Yeah. 
<laughs> no, wait, he's he's friends with Daniel Bryan now, Nick. Come on now. Let's not get our storytelling confused. That is a relationship that makes no sense whatsoever. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, let's shift gears here a little bit. Wrestling Observer uh, reporting The Undertaker uh, is expected to be performing at WWE's next Saudi Arabia show on May 3rd, 2019. Uh, no word yet if he's going to be at WrestleMania, but it is interesting to note that his image has been added to the WrestleMania production trucks. Um First, let's start with Mania. What would you? What do you think they do? What do you? What do you think Undertaker participates in WrestleMania? It's an appearance, right? It's a chance for you to flick the lights down, play the music, and he chokes slams somebody. Elias. Elias. Everybody yes, seems to be Elias. saying Elias. Elias seems to be the one that everybody thinks is going to get carted off by the Druids this year. You know? Can I give you a? You know what I wish would happen though? It's it's the one thing they'll never do, but I would love to see happen. Is can you imagine if John Cena is also not announced and he shows up and demands his rematch against the Undertaker? Uh... <laughs> From last year's WrestleMania and that weird storyline? Oh, man. Can we just keep that going? I don't know, man. I mean, they don't have dancing partners yet, do they? Nope. Either one of them does. Oh, and it's a it's an open-ended story in my mind, right? They yeah. did something last year, but John Cena took it, you know, on the chin. I don't know. And uh, I guess the other side of this coin here, yeah, going to Saudi Arabia, everybody batting down the hatches. You're about to get inundated with uh, more John Oliver clips. Uh, you know, this is going to be the same month that uh, Cody Rhodes and the Bucks and AEW are going to be launching a double or nothing and potentially a lot of other news. Uh, so I, I'll be interested to see if the fallout of Saudi Arabia bolsters the, I would say, actual launch of AEW in the month of May. That's kind of the story I'm watching here in May. I don't think it matters. I think if uh, you had so much controversy going into it last mm, year. It's different now, it, man. I mean, and that's the thing is like the news site, wrestling fans, they don't know. But the news people know how much has happened with Saudi Arabia in the past six months. Mm. It's gotten mm -hmm. worse. You know it has. It's not just Khashoggi. Like, the whole government put out dozens of hits on many dissenters all at once. <laughs> Khashoggi was the poster boy for what was a much larger operation, and that's that's what's going to be the, I, I the think story. You, yeah, here's – I don't want to get too political here, right? But I, but, think I mean, that's the truth. That's what I need to tell everybody to get ready for. That's what you're all about to hear about come May, you know? you got to see the – you'd have to have – authorities in our government crack down more for this to be an issue. The not. way it's being treated right now is let's talk about it, but nobody's doing anything about it. And until somebody does something, I, I think WWE can do whatever it wants to without repercussions, right? Yeah, the almighty dollar seems to be in charge right now. So, I mean, that's yep. that's realistically yep. why the door is still open with Saudi Arabia. There's just buying a bunch of weapons. Does Daniel us. Bryan compete in Saudi Arabia? No, I don't think he does. You know, <laughs> and, and you know, and that's the thing. It's like Undertaker, I don't know, feels like he needs to be doing this. So anyway, I don't really want to go too far down the rabbit hole on this one either. But I, I do think it is worth letting everyone know I mean, that's that's what you're going to get inundated here with this show going through here in May. It's about to be a you have to go from the high of WrestleMania down to the low of Saudi Arabia all over again, just like last year. I think it'll be uh, the same, if not even more intense with uh, how the media saw how much of a cycle uh, and story they could get out of covering WWE doing this. I think it's going to be heightened this time. I agree. Yeah. So. All right, strap in. Uh, and with that, let's talk about the uh, uh, movings and goings and shakings of WWE's corporate headquarters, because they are moving after uh, many years. WWE is going to be selling Titan Towers. I can't even believe I'm saying those words. They're moving their headquarters to 677 Washington Boulevard in Stamford, Connecticut. Uh, the move is going to happen in early 2021. Much bigger facility. The move is going to allow them to put their offices and more production facilities under one roof. Uh, a couple details uh, about the space itself. It's going to be rent-free for the first 18 months. Uh, then it's going to be $19,100,809 per year initially, 
payable uh, in a payable on a monthly basis, as you do. Uh, then it'll go up the next year to twenty million nine hundred twenty-seven thousand three ninety-two, uh, and then on the eleventh year, finally goes up one more time, twenty-two million seven hundred fifty-three nine hundred fifty-five thousand. Dollars, uh, so nine hundred fifty-five dollars. So uh, lots of money here. Big new facility, but a, a sad day. The the falling of Titan Towers, Michael. I like how you said nineteen million dollars payable on a monthly basis, like you do. Like, yeah, we just pay nineteen million dollars <laughs> monthly. No big deal. No, not, not monthly. It's nineteen million <laughs> broken down. It'd be divided yeah. by twelve, so it'd be a little over a million dollars per month. It's you know, uh, I pay reasonable. rent. That's I'm a lot not more reasonable. <laughs> I pay rent here in Chicago. I'm not a, a condo owner quite yet. So I mean, it's like it, what I mean is like. It's like how you pay rent. It's like how yeah. anybody pays rent. It's just yeah. a lot more money. So so any word yet, Nick, on, on what they're actually selling? Yeah, sure. Right. This is a huge deal if you are a lifelong WWE fan, as many of us are, following Titan Towers, that iconic building we've seen so much when Stone Cold went there, when Dean Ambrose went there, when it's been showed in video packages. Seeing this go away definitely feels like a seminal, kind of a, a weird corporate seminal moment as a wrestling fan. Any, any word, though, on how much they're selling that building for? Uh, good question. I didn't write that. There's like, you know what? Honestly, that's a good question. I don't have the time to get into all of it because yeah. what happened was uh, Wrestling Inc., the great site that we work for, uh, has a lot of info uh, written out, details, how much Titan Tower is being sold for, the square footage of the new facility. I almost included it all in the run sheet, but I was like, this is way too much. And I anticipated mm-hmm. saying what I'm saying right now to you. So what yeah. I'm going to say is rather than get into the specifics of, of the, the new headquarters how, and everything else, go over to Wrestling Inc., Find the article. You could get a lot more info about this move right here. And, uh, yeah, it's just, uh, you know, I more so just wanted to reflect on the legacy of Titan Towers. I don't really care about the details because so many great moments, you know, DX on top of Titan Towers, uh, the WCW stuff where they would invade, you know, go, go across the street from Titan. It's just mm-hmm. an iconic building. Mm-hmm. You know, Vince McMahon's gymnasium that hasn't been changed in, like, 30 years. It's still got the 80s <laughs> retro lights down there, you know? Yeah, is there, like, a, I want to I find the comprehensive Titan Towers tour video on YouTube. If there is one of those, we need to, like, post it out on social media because I, I just want to get that perspective behind the scenes even more. That's, you know, the, the, they're going to be taking people around. They're showing them. They're like, oh, this is Titan Towers. This is Vince's gym. This is where he trained with Hulk Hogan. And I'm just like, I would keep the gym in place. And it's like, and then this is Vince's office. This is where Draws puked uh, into a bucket <laughs> to earn his spot on the roster. He's got a puke. If you want to own a piece of history, guys, it's for sale now. You can own it. I'd sit you behind Vince's it. desk. And I'd be like, we make movies here. I say that all the time. <laughs> That's what we do. We're movie makers. We make movies here. Uh, we create all your favorite segments from from s- news dirt sheets over the years. I saw Sean Waltman posted on Twitter that uh, he was sad to see that it was being sold. Apparently, when he came back to WWE for his second run in '98, he still had the key to Titan Towers from his first run before he left for WCW, and the key still worked, which just seems like <laughs> a security hazard to me. Isn't it weird that we do kind of have this special affinity, though, for what is essentially a corporate building that houses this company? I, I can't think of any other... I mean, maybe I'm a huge Adult Swim fan from over the years, like maybe the places, but I can't even picture that building in Atlanta the same way that I can picture WWE corporate headquarters. It's just a weird affinity we have as wrestling fans for a structure that houses this corporate entity. Uh, you know, probably the only other headquarters that it would make me reminiscent like that, uh, a reminiscent is the Nickelodeon headquarters mm. with the giant like gag yes. thing out front the giant gag fountain or whatever yeah the universe that was from universal studios right that's where they recorded all their stuff and were kind of housed out of for a while right and, they, and they'd always show a shot of it like yep. at the end of each episode you know 
Um, which interesting by, to reflect on. By the way, WWE Week on Double Dare starts April 8th. I saw that just before we started the show. Mark Summer shared that, which tickled me. Wait, wait, wait. Is Double Dare back? What? The, you didn't know it's back? Have you not and watched it? Mark Summers still hosts it? No. He's the same guy that... No. There's a, a woman who hosts it now. Try, I forget her name. But he's like the... He's the executive producer, and he does like uh, the voiceover stuff. He does like the announcing. Man. Mm-hmm. Mm. Well, wonders never cease. Mm. Mark, WWE week, man. I'm stoked. I'm stoked. Double dare. Everything coming together. There's the crossover audience. We found it, Nick Hosman. So, and speaking of a hybrid of WWE and Nickelodeon, John Cena. Uh, he shared an Instagram post that had a photo of a fan holding a sign that said, Baron Corbin is a dumpster fire. And <laughs> I love that Cena's getting in on this, too. I don't think that he... I think that Cena probably has a lot of respect for Baron Corbin, but I like that he's kind of poking the fans i think more so than this than than baron corbin yeah absolutely although uh, i haven't been on the podcast so just yeah talk again. to me talk to me about this <laughs> isn't it weird that kurt angle comes out with this big announcement retirement speech and he announces baron corbin i i get why this happened right because traditionally kurt angle's doing the very traditional wrestling thing put over a younger talent on your way out the door and i totally respect the hell out of that right but this is WrestleMania season. I mean, when you when, when the fans have built up John Cena versus Kurt Angle is kind of a full circle match. Baron Corbin just feels like a huge letdown, let alone the fact that Kurt Angle just comes down and just announces it. Oh, by the way, guys, for my last match, I'm going to do this in a couple of weeks with Baron Corbin. It feels very low key for such a big deal. Kurt Angle is one of the greatest of all time. So it's just strange all around. Again, I get why they're doing it because he's putting over the younger talent. It's the right thing to do from a wrestling perspective. Uh, I just don't like it. I don't like it at all. Uh, well, you know, that's fine. Don't like it. I'm very, very excited about it. In fact, I like salivate at the idea of the amount of heat that Baron Corbin's going to get on Raw the night after when he comes out bragging. I just don't think I like Baron Corbin. I think that's what it is, man. I don't think I like Baron Corbin. Well, that's fine. Don't, you're not supposed to like Baron Corbin. He's a heel. No, I don't like him in like the like I really just don't like him kind of way. Okay, that's I don't want to see him. <laughs> Why? What what is it that you don't like about Baron? I, think it's, I don't like his stupid attire. I don't like his stupid boots. I don't like his stupid shirts. Sure. He's just Would you prefer that he did more things you liked? Um I would prefer, you know, can we go back to his his wolf gimmick that was pretty cool like, that was bro. not better than this the, with the skull like and every no dude and here's the truth though i think baron and i'm dissing on baron corbin a lot here i think he's a really good talent i think they've done some questionable things in the last year with him that i i get what they were going for but i think it hasn't always played to his strengths and it's almost made him seem it's made him seem weak right there there is potential for baron corbin to be a smarmy slimy heel and still be kind of annoying and i i i see that potential but some of the promos they've given him and some of the things they've done with him have just felt so weak by comparison that i think i've just been kind of i've cooled off on him in a way that i didn't expect because of creative not because of him yeah well you know they're going to give him a chance here to get a big win on a big stage and become the hottest heel in the company if he's not already and uh, I'm I'm looking forward to the dude has big dude good matches. Hate he does do good matches. Yeah, hate his clothes all you like. He you're not supposed <laughs> to like the guy. Okay, that's the Fair point. Enough. He's the bartender from a hipster gin bar. That is you what... and I are just dissenting on everything today, Hosman. <laughs> uh, we must okay. just be on different wavelengths. That's okay. We're not supposed to get. We're not supposed to agree on everything. <laughs> we're not supposed to get along. I hate <laughs> I'm you. About to say get along. That's not what I meant. We're not supposed to agree on everything. That's not a fun show. Uh, Jimmy Uso, uh, the body cam footage, or at least part of it was released uh, via a news segment in Detroit. Um, 
I watched it this morning. Uh, Naomi is obviously sober and is just like, I am very tired. I've been wrestling all day. Yes, my husband is drunk. Uh, there's no footage of what the police described as Jimmy squaring off with the cops. But I did get the impression that Jimmy probably got out of the car at some point, And that's what led to him getting arrested. I think if he did just, I mean, and again, I didn't see what happened in between clip one and clip two, but I guess if he just had stayed in the car, he probably wouldn't have got arrested that night. But, you know, again, there's like a, a bit missing in the middle there. But certainly didn't seem aggressive. Certainly didn't seem like he was squaring off. He was just drunk and trying to explain to them, I'm just in town for the night. We're trying to get out of town. And, you know, they booked him regardless. So very unfortunate. Uh, did you get a chance to watch the uh, the body cam footage from that night? Yeah, yeah. And it's one of these things. So you look back on the coverage of it when it first happened in the event definitely made bigger headlines because of the headline itself. And then it seems like what has happened is just kind of normal, normal stuff, right? I mean, yeah, he's a wrestler, so it, it does make a splash, but Naomi is sober. She's oh. the one driving. <laughs> She's trying to talk the situation down. Oh yeah. Felt bad for her. So yeah. Yeah. It, it's, it's awkward. It's weird, but we've all dealt with somebody who's drunk before and it's not like, I mean, I'm not like neither one of us have ever been drunk, right? Hosman. So what are you whatever. talking about? I don't drink. I'm a saint. I, I gotta don't. be honest with you though. If I get drunk, I'm not an aggressor. I am the guy who hugs everybody at the bar. We've all been best friends forever, so yeah. I'm a different kind of drunk, I guess. No, no, I'm the same way. That's you know, my girlfriend Liz always says that. She's like, you know, you like to drink, Nick, but you're always like really nice when you drink. Like, you know, you're not an angry kind of drunk, which uh, I don't know. Uh, it doesn't. I don't know. You know, it is what it is. But don't don't drink and drive. All right, I'll end on that. Don't drink and drive. Uh, next story. Adam Cole. PSA. Uh, PSA. Uh, I just feel oh, you're right. Before we move on, though, I just do. I feel bad about how the initial story was uh, taken based off of, you know, what was reported. Naomi obviously didn't do anything wrong here. Uh, I mean, other than maybe make a, a bad right turn at night in a street that didn't look like there were many cars on it, if any. Um, you know, she's very sober. Again, held herself well with the police. But yeah, Jimmy there was obviously drunk, but he wasn't driving. You know, he wasn't right. the, he wasn't the one behind the wheel. And I would think had he stayed in the car again, I don't I don't think he would have been arrested. It, it's one of those things as, as journalists we always have to look at, right? And this is definitely a newsworthy story because it happened and it, it, he was booked, right? So you, you report on it as a journalist. But also we do tend to, especially in the wrestling arena, run with things sometimes. And while I don't think most of our coverage was that extreme, no. everything is blown up online these days. So, yes. Uh, well, there it is. Uh, that's the story. And, uh, you know, next time you hear something like this, I guess wait and see uh, before, you, uh, before you jump to conclusions about what happened. Uh, let's, uh, let's move on here to NXT. Adam Cole, is, uh, he, won, uh, he, he won the right to take on Johnny Gargano in a two out of three falls match for the vacant NXT championship at TakeOver during WrestleMania weekend. Uh, this is a very cool match. I I really fine with the idea of Adam Cole being the NXT champion, but since this is the vacant NXT championship, I would much rather have Johnny Gargano win the NXT title, hold it till Ciampa comes back from injury, and then claims he's still the NXT champion, and then do the unification match between DIY. That's the story I would like told. Yeah, I and mean, it's probably the direction we're going with here. I think Cole is a, a smart, logical slot in here. He he is has such a huge. He's so great in the ring. Number one, this match is going to be incredible. But number two, he's got that following. He's got that that kind of heat and passion behind him. So I like the switch here. But to your point, the story is better told if we get Gargano versus Ciampa again in a few months when Ciampa's all healed up. And That's I, where we're going, right? It's got to be. And and I wonder if in a, if, if Cole loses here to Gargano. Is this the is this where we see Undisputed Era make the leap to the main roster here night after WrestleMania? Maybe the the Raw the week after Superstar Shakeup. 
does it feel like they're ready to go there? I, I think there's just still more for them to do in NXT. There's a lot. I think I mean, there's just so much talent. And they got more coming. You know, these guys have been there for two years now. It's you know, poop or get off the pot. Did, let me ask you this: On real talk, do they go to the main roster? Or do they go to two hundred five live? Oh, they go main roster. These guys, these guys should not be on two hundred five. I mean, not that they couldn't do well on two hundred five live, but Adam Cole, he's he's a he's a centerpiece main eventer, uh, and I think that you know he's got excellent backup there. Uh, um, so yeah, I would I would keep them together. I mean, I, I agree with that, but I'm trying to think of it from the way WWE sees these guys and what they do with talent when they bring them up. And listen, we got EC3 in the back posing every week, but I wonder, <laughs> is that what you want your main roster call up to be? I mean, like 205 Live is so contained right now. It's been like the same 12 guys for a while now. They're not really adding anybody to 205 Live right now. I kind of really honestly wonder what becomes of that brand. You know, yeah. like it's going to be it'll be really interesting here over the next year to see how. NXT and and 205 Live Evolve, especially with that Fox deal on the horizon. I know somebody's angry tweeting me as we speak about this. Just for the record, Adam Cole is apparently 210 pounds. He would not make the cut for 205 Live. I apologize. Okay, there you go. Uh, uh, we have an update here. WWE opposed Tadavik Hunyan's sister Abigail trademark, uh, again saying that she did not create this character and is looking to usurp WWE's intellectual property. Uh, we have been following this story Tat has been giving us uh, regular communications about how it's going. Not looking good here. It does seem like WWE is going to continue to try to make the case and close the book on the fact that we thought of this character for you to trademark her would create confusion in the marketplace. Um, but we have all kinds of we have all kinds of comments from Tat over on the website. If you're interested in the state of Sister Abigail trademark, I would go check that out. And uh, speaking of trademarks, oh, I'm excited to talk about this one, Michael. This is the last news topic we got. PW Insider, first to get to it. Cody Rhodes has applied for the trademarks to Prince of Wrestling, Battle Bowl, Bash at the Beach, and Bunkhouse Stampede. Um, I would think, similarly to the, the last thing with Sister Abigail, WWE owning WCW and all these pay-per-views would probably be able to challenge and lay some claim to at least the pay-per-view titles there. You would think so, especially with uh, they, they, they've got to own Bash at the Beach because they used it for a number of years. I don't think they've ever used WWE has Battle Bowl or Bunkhouse Stampede that I can recall. Mm -hmm. Well, Cody made some comment on Twitter about how all this is just for like cattle or something like that. I don't know if he was making a joke. Mm, probably. He's probably. A, yeah. A yeah. You know? I think Bash at the Beach is the one I question the most here. But I think that. Battle Bowl and Muckhouse Tapete are both names of their own that I would love to see reused and not just shelled. Bash at the Beach included in that. Prince of Wrestling is a weird one. H has that been used at a pay-per-view before? Am I just not remembering that? Well, his his uh, entrance theme starts, uh, wrestling has more than one royal family. That yeah, it just it's an interesting, like, is that like a King of the Ring style show? Like, what happens with that, right? Oh, so it's, oh I took that as like a moniker. Oh, Prince of Wrestling. Ooh, so like yeah. the Crown Prince, so like a tournament night, kind of like, yeah, yeah. ooh, that's kind of cool. Because the other three are are, are essentially pay-per-view titles, so, you know, who knows. Huh. Um, okay. But, yeah, it's interesting. I don't know how far this will get, especially when you have the hammer of WWE behind it, but maybe it's been long enough. Maybe I don't – I'm not a – I'm not a legalese person or a lawyer, as you fancy people yeah. call them, so I don't know where this goes, but uh, I would love to see these reused. It would be awesome. We have a legal beagle at Wrestling Inc. I'm going to actually sick him on this today and figure it out because it doesn't make sense for me, for Cody, to be applying for these trademarks uh, as opposed to AEW or uh, what is what is uh, Jackson's? They're uh, killing the business Inc. Killing the business Inc. is what's traditionally been applying for a lot of these trademarks. So uh, mm. we'll dig a bit more into this, but uh, I'm familiar with Battle Bowl. I have fond memories of Battle Bowl. That's where you know random wrestlers they 
you throw their names into a hat and you draw your tag team partners and you compete, uh, you know, in the tag tournament. And then it, uh, the winning teams uh, compete in a, a battle royal at the end of the night and a winner gets a ring in like a hundred grand or something like that. <laughs> um, I loved Battle Bowl, um, but Bunkhouse Stampede I was left, less familiar with and I read what it was and then I watched one this morning i watched like a clip from the 1988 <laughs> yes, yeah. have you have you seen one of these yes yes it's like the most 80s south wrestling thing to ever happen and i love right? the dude the comment because dusty Rhodes is in it and they're like well dusty Rhodes, is he gonna continue it is he gonna win his third straight bunkhouse stampede and i'm like well he's booking this so probably um yeah. but the gimmick here for those that don't know is it's a steel cage no uh, still no rules steel cage battle royal and the way you eliminate people is by throwing them through the door of the cage or over the top of the cage to the floor. Last man standing wins. Wow. Yeah. Wow. It, it always feels like when you think about Bunkhouse Stampede, that feels like a, a, a early stage when TNA was throwing whatever gimmicks they could at the wall and came up with like their King of the Mountain matches and whatever else they had. That's what it feels like an early era TNA style gimmick. Just really random. Let's mishmash all of these gimmicks together. Seal cages over the top rope, yada, yada, yada to make it work. It's, it's, it's a funny thing. It's fun, too. It's fun. At this time, it is my pleasure to welcome to the show the man who will be taking on Scarlet Budo March 29th as part of Impact Wrestling's Against All Odds. You may have known him in WCW as Disco Inferno, but you know him now as Glenn Gilberti. Glenn, thank you very much for taking the time to chat with me here today. Uh, thank you. Yeah, so let's start off here. You have made... I was on the, the Impact call where you, uh, you talked about how you don't enjoy women's wrestling. You compared it to... Uh, your dislike of, of the WNBA as well. Um, you know, it's been a couple of weeks since you made those comments. It seems like you've doubled down on them in a lot of ways. Uh, reflecting on what you said, have, has, has your opinion changed at all in the past month or so? Not at all. I mean, you can. here's the thing, is that the, the women, um, the, there's, a, there's a women's revolution. Uh, they want e whatever equality means. I, I don't know what that means, but it's like, we're treating them, um, if, if we're going to be treat, treating them equally, okay, then they need to be open for equal criticism of their, of their work. Okay, and all I do is I, pull, you know, and I just point out what I think are obvious differences in the way the women work compared to the way the men work. And so it's like, it's, bro, you're not going to go, you're not going to go have a, uh, um, you're not going to go, who's going to go watch a WNBA uh, slam dunk contest? You know, it's just like the, the, you're not going to have it. Like one girl can dunk. You know, it's like there's things that guys do that we, because we're physically str stronger in parts of our body than others, that we just do better and faster and more. That they look, look they look better than the girls do. And I just, I just mean, I point that out, and I think it's obvious. But it's like we're we're not allowed to say that because now you're being like misogynistic or something. I'm just, I just think I'm stating facts. Okay, I mean, but, you know, outside of just the, the, the comparison to the WNBA, I mean, do you want to get specific on things that you feel women are, are not capable of doing in pro wrestling that, that men are that make them somehow more entertaining to watch? Uh, Yeah, physically, like, they can't, you know, you, you don't have girls throwing guys around like Brock Lesnar can. You know, I mean, it, it's just the WNBA is a women, women are generally slower than the guys, and they're not as physically strong as the guys. Okay, so if you're watching a women's basketball game, it looks physically inferior to the men's game. 
just because the men are faster, they're quick. They're like the the measurable optics are so obvious. Okay, that, that that when you look, and it's like I'm not saying that like though as as workers, a lot of the women are good workers. You know, no, I'm not saying that. I go, but a lot of them, you know, when when you they try to do the things that the guys do better, I think it just makes it look worse than when the guys do it. And I think it's I think that's plainly obvious when you're watching it with your own two eyes. Well, I mean, to, to counterpoint, you know, we are in this women's revolution right now. I think it's, you know, there's a lot of women that you can point to that are compelling, entertaining wrestlers right now in Impact. I mean, Tessa Blanchard, Ty Valkyrie, but then, of course, you've got WWE, Becky Lynch, and Ronda Rousey. I mean, these, do you concede that there are, there is interest, at least right now, in women's wrestling that there was not before and that it is evolving in many ways? Absolutely. And I'm not saying, I'm, I'm interested and a lot of the women's stuff. And I'm not saying it's like I don't say, you know, but like, like here's the thing. I, I don't dislike, like, every single time there's a women's match on. You know, number one, I like the, the girls in the, in the WWE. They're better talkers than the guys are. You know, and then I, I'm, I, I love promos. I love, you know, girls that can, like, convey their, their words. You know, guys, I like, I like good promos. The girls are killing. That's why they're taking the spots from these guys. That's why they're the main event in the card. But the actual matches themselves, I'm not going to sit there pretend that these are, you know, like like you're going to get, like uh, the three way of Mania is going to be better than uh, like if Finn, Finn Balor wrestled Seth Rollins. You know what I'm saying? I'm just not going to I'm not going to accept that. You know what I'm saying? The Finn Balor Seth Rollins match will look will look better than than the than the Ronda Becky uh, Charlotte match. I just I just think that's that's just my opinion. Well, sure, that's... other people may see it differently, but I'm you know. From a person that's trained train men and women in this business, I, I mean, I think you just can't ignore the differences. It's, it's, it's too obvious. Well, I mean, if, you know, I'll, I'll use the WWE counter where it's Becky Lynch and Charlotte had, like, an incredible last woman standing match that, like, tore the house down and was the best match on that pay-per-view. But also on the Impact side, you know, Tessa Blanchard and Ty Valkyrie went out and, you know, beat the ever-loving crap out of each other in that old holds barred match. And I, and I thought, you know continued to to hold their own in the, in the knockouts division i mean when you see that stuff that, that's that, fine yeah that, that that's fine okay i'm not and i'm not going to argue those matches were good okay but cool you're all you're doing is you're highlighting the positives all you're doing is highlight like oh what about this match well, okay well that's well, what about this match sure yeah. what about matches where, where, they, where, they, where they look terrible it's like you know like those matches exist and i'm saying like there's a there's a collection of girls that are really, really good, and they're way better head and shoulders than the others, okay? And what I think it's, to me, it's kind of like the rest of the girls are piggybacking off of the more successful ones, try to, like, like, and they're bringing them along for the ride. That, that, that's the way I look at this. Okay, because I know that when we, when we had the impact call and you were talking last time, you know, you praised, you know, you said you love it when women are a part of the show, they're beautiful, you're not as interested in the wrestling. It's it's interesting here now. You are going to be coming head to head with Scarlett Boudreau, who really walks the line. Mm-hmm. I mean, she's you know very sexy, obviously, but at the same time, you know, I've seen her here in Chicago at AAW. I, I know her pedigree. You know, she can go in the ring as well. I mean, tell me a little bit about how it came to be that you and Scarlett are going to be uh, trading blows here on the 29th. Well, because it's impact. Like this is this is a, a cultural issue these days. You know, you're watching like like there's a lot of things where. Um, you know, these, these news stories where, you know, they're letting biological uh, males compete with, the, the, with, the, with biological females in events in, like, high schools and, st- and stuff like that. And to me, it's like, you know, the, 
you just you can't do that. But it's like with this woman revolution thing, it's like you almost have to educate them that this is why we don't do this. And I think this is like uh, my match with Scarlet is more of a learning. Uh, 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 the, the, what do what do I want to call it here? It's basically, a session, a learning session. Okay, this is going to be an education. I'm just going to show people like, well, this is why the men fight the men, and the why the women don't. You know, why the women fight the women. There shouldn't be you, you shouldn't be mixing matches. Now, if Scarlet is able to, you know, if she's able to pick up a victory here against you at against all odds, would that sway you in any way? About that's your... not. That's not good. That's ridiculous. Well, I mean, now, it's, now you're talking ridiculous stuff. Well, I mean, but that's the thing, as I'm saying here, if she were to pick up a victory over here, would that sway your opinion in any way towards, you know, the viability of, of women in pro wrestling at the moment? I don't even see how that's a logical, uh, uh, a logical hypothetical situation. I don't. I mean, I, I wouldn't. I, I couldn't even discuss that. Like uh, how it would make me feel. I just you're talking about something that's like as as unlikely to happen as like the Jets winning the Super Bowl. You know. Okay. Well, I mean, in general, though, I mean, this is an intergender bout, you versus Scarlet here. You know, you're looking at this, like you say, a learning session. You know, if you do feel it is one so so one-sided that you're going to beat Scarlet, do you think this should maybe be like the last intergender match? Like, you're going to prove your point. We shouldn't be doing this anymore. Oh, no. I, I Look, as long as they're willing participants, uh, the women should fight the, the, any other willing guy, too. If they want to do it, they want to keep doing it, that's fine. Mm-hmm. But I'm just going to point out why this is why we don't, why we usually don't do this. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they could they could do whatever they want. This is this is professional wrestling. Uh, there's a lot of creative ways to do things. A lot of you know, in, in the Marvel, the DC comic world, the the females, the female superheroes combat with the males. You know, so it's not like beyond the uh, beyond the realm of logic, but it's just like the result is uh, is what you know basically should be. Uh, the, the the result is it's really not in question. Now, but the, but the, the matchups are. Okay. Now, you, uh, you recently, uh, this past Friday on Impact, uh, you had an exhibition of skills um, that involved Kikataro. Now, do you want to explain to everybody what your logic was doing this exhibition of skills in, in this segment? Well, this, well, you guys don't know this, okay? But this is uh, my understanding. Kikataro, uh, that was Okada under a mask. So I, I basically want to show everybody that I beat the New Japan... Uh, like, like what guys consider like the greatest wrestler in the world based on his star rating average or whatever, you know. But that was that was Okada um, underneath that mask, and that's so I just beat the New Japan heavyweight cha- the New Japan champion. I, find, I, I wanted to show that that my skills like are still better like like than, than the best of New Japan. Now, why do you why do you feel that you should need to do an exhibition of skills to prove your skills if you feel so confident going into this match with Scarlett? Well, that's what the, the exhibition skill was basically also another, another education, just showing people how to work. Oh. You know what I mean? Showing people how to wrestle. Showing like Because there's a lot of guys these days uh, that get TV time that don't know what they're doing. You know, and I just, want, I just basically want to show out there, show my skills, and show why I'm still better than most of the people that do this, that do this for a living. Uh, well, I'll switch gears here a little bit while I got you for a couple minutes talking about showcasing your skills. You know, you were always known as, you know, one of the funnier additions to the WCW roster. You've had a couple funny encounters backstage at Impact Wrestling recently. Um, how are you How are you jiving with Impact Creative? Are you enjoying what's happening with you and in, in, in the world of Impact at the moment? I mean, well, they're, you know, they're, they're letting, well, they're, they're, they're putting me in this this, this match. And I have no, I have no problem with it. Um, basically, I, you know, whatever creative they have for me, you know, I'll, I'll knock you out of the park. 
Um, as you can see, the, re the response uh, for my performances on the show these past few weeks have been overwhelmingly positive, despite the fact that I'm one of, considered one of, the, one of the more hated people in the, in the business these days because of my podcast. So that just shows that, like, that that's where the skill comes from, when you can actually take your detractors and have them write nice things about you. And, and, you know, I, it's always said, you know, in pro wrestling, you know, the, the best characters are the ones that the volume turned up. I mean, do you see the work you're doing right now in Impact and as an extension of a lot of the stuff that you genuinely believe and you want to be turning the volume up on some of those opinions? Uh, I think you, you, you said it. You couldn't have said it better than me, you know? <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate the compliment. Oh, hang on. I got <laughs> I don't know how my YouTube just went on there on my phone. Okay, oh, go ahead. Okay, yeah. No, well, I was just going to say, you know, you are gelling here with the Impact uh, creative team in the roster. You're finding your spot here. I mean, do you have plans on wrestling beyond this match with Scarlett? Do you see yourself as getting ready for another run in professional wrestling here? Well, I've never, I've never officially retired. Right. You know, I've, I've never had my retirement match. I'm still, you know, let, let me tell you something. Back in WCW when uh, – when, when you know, at the height of the um, of the Monday Night Wars, like in nineteen in nineteen ninety eight or nineteen ninety nine, Ric Flair was fifty years old. Yeah, on TV every week. So now that I'm fifty one. I'm in good shape. I still do this. I still train some of the wrestlers here at uh, Future Stars of Wrestling in Vegas. I, you know, the the ring is never uh, it's I, I still get a little bit more sore. The next day, because I don't do it as frequently, but I'm I'm good to go anytime. Do you see your? I mean, like, what are like what's what is what would be your goal? Do you want to be champion? I mean, what do you see yourself? What goals do you have left in pro wrestling and Impact? I don't really. Have, my goal is to just be the most. The, the, here's here's the goal, and this is what the goal should be for every performer on a professional wrestling show. I don't go out there and try to have the best. I'm not going to have the best match. I'm not you know, whatever this. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to go try to go out there and get the best reaction. And that's it. That's, I don't care if I'm wrestling for a title or doing a backstage uh, vignette or, or, or announcing or doing color commentary. Whatever I'm doing is, is I'm going out there to be the best performer on the show is what, what my goal is. And that's, that's the way I've always looked at this business. And to me, the best performers are the ones that get the best pops. Well, and, and you, I always try to get the best pop on the show. And, and you brought up your time in, in WCW, you know, during the Monday Night War. Obviously, it's a really vibrant time for pro wrestling, you know, not just Impact, you know, taking off, but, you know, all the other promotions around it. I mean, how much of what's going on right now reminds you uh, of that time uh, during the Monday Night War? Right, right now? Yeah. These days? Yeah. It's completely, completely different. How so? It's completely different. Because you, you stand in the middle of the ring and look at the fans, and the fans have changed. What do you mean by that? The crowd is complete. Uh, the, the crowd is way. Uh, the, the crowd is not as. Um, I don't. It's not as a uh, diverse of a um, diverse of a segment of society as it used to be. Hmm. I mean, when you when you look at the crowd these days, I see a lot of fans, and it looks like. I mean, like, I, I still do them. It, it still looks like comic book conventions, like the comic book convention crowd, and that's what that's what the the, the whole crowd. When I look out in this crowd, that's what I see. It used to be, you know, it, it didn't. The crowd didn't look like that. There were a lot more hot girls in the crowd. There was more, um, like you know, like the high school football team would be there. So it's just, it's just the crowd looked and acted differently than they, that does today. The one that's the one thing that's changed over the course of time in professional wrestling is the way that the, the fans react to the live product. Yeah, and it's just way different. The, 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 these days, the, the the fans are like they're like seals. They're like a. Uh, 
It's like another brick in the wall. They all do the same chants. This is awesome. They all clap. They all do the same things. It's like they're all in unison. Mm-hmm. And it's just uh, it's a lot different than the emotional reaction we used to get. And here comes Glenn with the sledgehammer spinning in circles and, and throwing it through the television set right now. Um, you know, <laughs> that, it's, it's interesting you bring up that. I hadn't really heard anybody talk about the, the change of the dynamic of the audience. What do you attribute that to the, the change in, the, in the, the kind of fan that is watching pro wrestling right now? The fan got too smart. You think the, fan got, the fan got too smart. The fan, the, the, it's very difficult these days with, with uh, the Internet and social media and everything to not follow this business and not be subjected to, like, the spoilers. And, the thing, you know, it's just different. It's, the, the fans have gotten behind the curtain a little bit too much. And I think a little bit more than they wanted to because, like, they're, they're following the product now and it's, it's you know, they're, they're – they're watching these shows for different reasons. It seems like than what they used to, you know, wrestling used to be a soap opera every week. The show would end with a question. What's going to happen next week or something. Now it's different. Now everybody just concentrates like, Oh, how good was that match? You know, how, how, how good was the match? The, the actual match. I'm like, a lot of people don't watch wrestling just for the matches. A lot of people watch it for the characters the storylines, the interviews and the other things, but we've kind of pigeonholed this business into making it seem like that the guy's, that works the best are the ones that should be prominent, you know, uh, prominently featured on the show, but they may not have other, the other skills that you need, which are the skills that get other people to watch the shows. You know, so that, that, that's what I think has happened over the years. I mean, I got, I guess the end will be in the beginning here. I do find that a bit ironic to hear from you considering we started off talking about how you just don't think physically the women can do what the men do. But at the same time, I think you would admit that there are very compelling female wrestling characters at the moment. Oh, I've never, see, that's the thing, that this is where, I'm not calling it fake news, but this is where people have, they highlight the negative, they highlight the, uh, the inflammatory things I say, like, you'll say that, but I've never wavered on, like, you know, I, I, the thing with me with the, the women performers, I call it like I see it, the stuff that's good, I, I have no, I'm not saying, oh, you guys think that's good, that's really not good because of this, no, I'm, I'm entertained by it too, but I'm also, the thing is that you don't see these days is, when they're not good, Nobody, nobody says a word. Mm-hmm. You know, nobody says a word when they see like a woman's a match and it's not good. And I've been very vocal. Hey, that that match, I, was, I watched that match. It sucked. Mm-hmm. You know, can I say that? Because <laughs> I am going to say that because that's, I don't want. I want to hold true to my belief system. I'm not going to compromise my belief system because people don't like things I say. You know, you're not going to like everything I say because we're going to have different tastes. But like, it's not going to prevent me from saying what I like, what I'm going to say. Uh, and uh, I guess I'll close by saying, you know, I am a, I'm a big Andy Kaufman fan. I was a child of Andy Kaufman. I'm a little messed up as an adult because of it. I mean, I know that we talked about how wrestling is, you know, characters with the volume turned all the way up. You know, are you drawing any inspiration from Andy's work right now? I mean, is this a chance for you to, to do a little bit of, of, of that in your style? I, I never really, I never really try to, you know, the, the only thing I ever copied in my, uh, it was when I came up with the Disco Inferno gimmick, I was going to, I saw the the type of style the Honky Tonk Man did, and I basically took a different gimmick and did and worked that same type, type of way. Hmm. But I've never felt like I'm going to copy anything else ever, anybody does because I feel I'm creative enough to do my own thing. Gotcha. Cool. Uh, hey, Glenn, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to, to answer the questions. You know, a lot of people interested in, in some of your comments and opinions right now about uh, women's professional wrestling. Again, you're going to take on Scarlett against all our odds 
March 29th on Impact Wrestling. Is there anything you'd like to plug, promote, put over here before we uh, wrap up the interview today? Yeah, you just got to just, just just watch every week. I'm going to be on a uh, pursuit. You know, you know when Impact's on pursuit every Friday night. Correct. Um, I guess they just. I, I think it's must see TV. Thank you to Tully Blanchard here for WrestlingInc.com, WWE Hall of Famer, and of course, legendary Four Horsemen member. Tully, first off, I want to say thank you for taking the time today, and uh, we're going to get right into it here. Your early beginnings in wrestling, uh, your love and passion for it, how did it all begin? Well, I'm second generation. You know, I mean, it's, I was born and raised around this business. It was everything back in those days to, to get that started. And Jose Lothario was also a trainer, along with your dad, right? Yeah, actually, the, the first person to take me in the ring was Jose Lothario. Wow. Um, and then my dad, most of the stuff my dad did with me was um, amateur wrestling and, and stuff like that. And then it was... Uh, uh, then once once you got you, you didn't really do a lot of prep work or I didn't uh, right. in the in the in the gym doing front rolls back rolls all that kind of stuff. Once I got the basics down, it was uh, you were in a match with one of the old timer guys that just beat the crud out of you <laughs> for twenty minutes and. Uh, and you had to do 20-minute time limit matches, and and you'd come back, couldn't breathe, couldn't do anything, and then they'd tell you all the stuff you did wrong, and then you'd go do it the next night again. So <laughs> it was it was like a a cycle that was uh, you guys were grinding and getting better and learning from uh, those who've been in the ring and. Uh, you know, Andy Balnowski here with Tony Blanchard for WrestlingInc.com. And, and Tony, I wanted to ask you, you know, obviously everybody in the wrestling world remembers the Four Horsemen, the stable of all stables, uh, raised the bar. Uh, I was watching a, a DVD last night with you in it, talking about the Horsemen being the elite of the toughest of the tough. And what made the Four Horsemen special? some years, 25 years, is most everything is promoter-generated. Right. And, and it is, I'm going to put these group of guys together and we're going to call them the NWO. We're going to put this group of guys together and we're going to call this manager his stable, Heenan's family. We're going to do this or, or uh, Jim Cornette's group or whatever the case might be and the four horsemen was a group of guys i was the world television i was the world heavyweight champion arn and Ole were the world tag team champions flair and the andersons were supposedly uh relatives right and but it was a group of guys that were thrust together basically to have eight-man tag matches during uh, the summer and fall waiting for Starcade. 
because I didn't want to give away the Starcade matches. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I was very, very fortunate that I was wrestling Dusty Rose at the time. And uh, so I got put into the, the Andersons versus whoever, mm-hmm. uh, the Road Warriors or the Rock and Roll Express or... And so I got thrust in there because Dusty was the booker and he wanted to be part of the deal. And so, and then Arn on one of the interviews called us the Four Horsemen. And it clicked. And it was, uh, and the wrestling fans started taking off with that. And so, the power of it was not promoter generated, but fan generated. Right. And because of that, you, 30 years after, after the fact, you have this following that is just, I mean, I can't, you can't really explain it. Right. Yeah. Oh yeah. But, but, but you go to these things and and it's bigger than the star power that's there and the people that you talk to that just fan after fan after fan that you know when my dad used to take me and and i was eight years old i was 10 years old that you know this 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 and you guys affected my life and I can remember we were at a at a, a fan thing up in Knoxville last summer, and this guy lived in Phoenix, and he just he heard that we were going to be there. He dropped what he was doing, left his family, and <laughs> flew, flew to Knoxville, Tennessee. That's the dedication. <laughs> dedication. Um, because you know, I mean, the the four of us haven't really been together at an autograph show more than. I think I think we've done it six times, Man. and uh, you know, so so to get it, uh, it, it it's still a, a hot item because it's it doesn't happen very often. No, no doubt, and and I think that uh, you kind of answered the next question I have for you. Do you think there will ever be as big of a stable or another one like it? I think it's it's pretty safe to say there probably won't be. No. They they don't know how to make it up. I mean, they they wouldn't know how to, uh, yeah, without making it and sounding dumb or anything. No. If it it could have been duplicated, it would have been resurrected as bad as WCW tried to get, make it happen without me. They, They almost did, but... By the same token, when you when you've got a recipe for something that works, you can't change the ingredients. Mm-hmm. And uh, they tried with every star that they had at WCW, and it it never happened. It never worked. Yeah, I I, I know that uh, for your career. I mean, you look at some of these stables over time, the NWOs and. Uh, you know, the D-Generation X's, all those things. And the horsemen always seem to connect a little further than those other groups. 
you know, simply because I think it was the passion and the pride you guys had for the product. And, um, and I think you guys, would you agree that you guys were just exactly living what you were saying? Oh, absolutely. I mean, what you saw on television is what you saw at the nightclub, <laughs> what you saw at breakfast the next day. You know, you saw a group of guys get off an airplane, go to the gym, take care of business, and go out with the pretty girls. Love it. You know, what was the craziest moment that you could at least share with us, um, you know, that you can remember for Horseman? Could be inside the ring, outside the ring, um, for our Wrestling Inc. listeners and viewers out there. Uh, what do you think the craziest moment was uh, as a full Horseman? Gosh, I don't, I, I don't know that we had a bunch of crazy moments. <laughs> I mean, I mean the, the the things that that you know would stick out in my mind were, you know, you're you're sitting in a Jacksonville, Florida. We stayed at the hotel, the Holiday Inn at the airport, and so we finished in Jacksonville and just going into the the restaurant club to try to have uh, a sandwich and go to bed and you know you you walk in and, and there's a number of guys there sitting on I'm Animal and Hawk were sitting on the other side of the bar and you know I back in those days I was 220 pounds 5 foot 11 and uh, not the you know, there's a bunch of people, 5'11", 220. Right. And uh, and you get some drunk cowboy, and who does he want to go pick on? He's going to Tully. No, he's not looking for me. They go pick on friggin' animal and hawk. <laughs> you know, and, and I mean, I, I, used to, I used to just, I mean, I, it was entertaining. You know, you get get some drunk one of and he goes and picks on the three hundred and thirty pound guy. <laughs> he can squash you. Oh man. And and it never failed, you know, that kind of stuff. And and uh, I never got outside the ring. Leaving the ring I it was pretty uh potsy totsy a few times, but <laughs> you know, some of those houses you guys had it and you mentioned some of the feuds, uh, the American Dream, Dusty Rhodes, Magnum TA, uh, so many great matches and historic moments in the Mid-Atlantic region and WCW. Uh, talk about some of those quick feuds and what made you know Dusty Rhodes, I mean, may he rest in peace, obviously, and, and you know, he was such a great mind for the business, and, but your guys' feuds were, were hotter than, than any feuds that have ever existed in wrestling. Oh, gosh. It was... Uh... You know, it, it was when Dusty took over the book for Crockett and uh, was going to come in and, and dazzle everybody. And, uh, and Dusty, it, it, the first three months were not good, and it didn't just explode go crazy like he'd always been used to and uh, so he he had a conversation with me and a few of the other people 
I didn't really, I really tried to stay out of the politics side of this stuff. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But he asked me, he said, you, you've done TV shows, you've been a booker before, what would you do to get this thing going? And I said, well, I said, you got to put the best against the best. Right on. And, and he said, uh, uh, well, I talked to Wahoo, Wahoo thinks he needs to be wrestling me. And I said, well... I said, you can certainly go that way, but Dust, Dusty, if, if, if you put me against you, I'll make you look great, and you put Wahoo against Flair, and they can go beat the crap out of each other, and we'll get this thing going. And he, he liked that, and... That's when we started turning everything around. Man. Boy, and... Yeah, yeah the... Uh, you talked about stealing the show. Uh, how the horsemen love to steal the show. Go out there, you know, raise the bar every night. And, and be the symbol of excellence, is what you guys always used to say about being a yeah. full horseman. And what's that mentality like? And not just for wrestling, but in anything. Ministry work, um, you know... My job in sports casting, I'm a, you know, I do sports casting as well. Uh, just going out there and, and stealing the show. Uh, what is that mentality like for, for you? Well, I mean, it's just be the best. You know, and, and, and that's what we tried to do each night. I mean, we didn't, we didn't have a, a real open competitive thing, but... But under the under the surface, there was competition between all of us that you'd go out and try to steal the show. And if you were on before Flair, he had to go out and work his butt off to have a better match than you did. Or if you went on after Arn, or if Arn and I went on after Barry, or vice versa. And that the thing that that did was make the fans' product better. And not everybody has that personal uh, pride in them to be and do what it takes to be the best that you can be. And that, that's a training uh, routine. That's a eating routine. That is a uh, watch what you drink routine. Uh, you know, it's, it's a way of life routine. And you've got, you had to take care of that kind of stuff. And that's what we did. And uh, uh, it was, you know, it was very good for the people that we worked for. It was very good for the people that we worked with. And it was very good for the wrestling fans. Man, it was too. And it still is today. People reliving a lot of your moments and memories on the, the uh, WWE Network and you know, certain uh, this interview as well, getting out there. And um, wanted to ask you too. I mean, what do you think would have happened if you never left? You know, WCW and became the Brainbusters in WWE with Arn, and then Bobby Heenan, of course. And you know, what if you never left? Do you ever think about that? If you never went up, went up north? Um. No, I don't. I don't. Uh, I don't look at stuff like that if, if we would have never went to the WWF you know we'd have never been on a main event at Madison Square Gardens 
Right. We'd have never been on Saturday night's main event. And, uh, you know, it was, it was very, very uh, rewarding to be on those things. Uh, when the time was right, and I think the time was right, for Arn and I to go back and reform the Four Horsemen, and, and that was negotiated, and in, in the plan happened, Arn went back, and I never did. Uh, and I think that, uh, you know, the people at WCW would probably have, should have rethought that, but anyway, that's neither here nor there. Uh, but in, the, in that process, of leaving Vince and going back to the WCW, uh, that that's when I came to know the Lord because I flunked the drug test. Vince suspended me on uh, November 2nd, 1989. And uh, then on November 13th, Blair called me and said WCW found out about the drug test and reneged on the deal. And so WCW didn't hire me back, trying to save money. And, uh, you know, probably the, the biggest regret I have in my life, because I, I don't mind paying the consequences for my own actions, but Arn got penalized because of my actions, and it cost him and his family money. And, and that is... Uh, that says a lot about WCW as a company and uh, uh, should never have happened, but it was, uh, it did, and uh, yeah, it, it's it's tough to look back at retrospect at some of the things that have happened, and, but nonetheless, you know, you, you mentioned Arn Anderson, and you know, you guys go in. The Four Horsemen go into the WWE Hall of Fame. And obviously, I think, in my opinion, I think in many people's opinions out there, if you did go back and reform the Four Horsemen, it probably would have been you know, just as big, if not bigger, than the time before during the 80s. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it, it would have been humongous because you, you'd have had the same chemistry, you'd have the same everything uh, uh, right, right there with it, you know, but... You know, they saw fit to not not hire me back. And, you know, when Flair called me that night, it was at 1 o'clock in the morning, and I hung up, and I panicked. I said, what in the stinking world am I going to do? Right. You know, I, I can't work at either place now. And uh, so I laid in bed for four hours and tried to figure out what I was going to do and how I was going to land. And, you know, at 35 years old, I'd never been unemployed. And uh, uh, and after laying in bed at 4.03 in the morning, I said, Jesus, take over my life. And that was the first time I'd ever said the name Jesus when I wasn't cussing somebody. Right. And something happened to me. There was a supernatural calmness that I went from absolute mental chaos to complete and utter peace and calmness instantaneous mm. and something happened to me and I fell asleep I woke up the next day and uh, I didn't 
really feel different or anything. But two days later, my dad called me and uh, he asked me, he said, what's happened? And I said, what do you mean what's happened? He said, you don't sound, you sound different. I said, what do you mean I sound different? I didn't get drunk yesterday. You know, I, I didn't, you know, blah, blah, blah. And, uh, and so I, he said, you're not cussing. And I went, I, I kind of held the phone. I went, wow, I'm not. <laughs> and I mean, I was a, I was a guy that, you know, I, I had to be F this and F that. It was a verb, adjective, adjective, adverb. Uh, noun, verb, everything. Every, it was, it was, you know, the, the uh, Jim Carlin uh, comedy routine on on the f bomb. You know, that was kind of what I held true to. Right. And right. Uh, and and I wasn't cussing, and I wasn't concentrating on not cussing. It just wasn't there. And uh, the thing that I found out later when I started studying scripture and, and that kind of stuff, out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth speaks. So whatever's in your heart, you're going to talk about. And, and so God had changed my heart, and, and I was now speaking different things, and F-bombs were not part of it. Right. Yeah, that's probably and a good so, thing. And so that is, that's wild. And I started my walk with the Lord on November 13th, 1989, which this November will be 30 years. Mercy. Wow. 30 years, you know. It, it, obviously a lot could happen at that time. And... You know, we think about your ministry work, and we're going to talk more in depth here uh, about that. Just a couple more quick wrestling questions for you here today. Tully Blanchard right here on WrestlingInc.com. Andy Bonoski talking with Tully, WWE Hall of Famer, and, of course, WWE, WCW legend. And, Tully, you know, Arn Anderson, I mean, you guys are, are you know, neck and neck, always synonymous with greatness in wrestling and, and how you portrayed yourselves and what you did inside the ring. Uh, recently, he was uh, let go from from WWE from his post as a um, as a travel, you know, as an agent and a producer. Um, what do you know? Much, anything about that? Anything further? I I tried to talk to Arn a couple of days ago when I was in Charlotte, at seeing my new granddaughter, and he was at a Comic Con signing autographs, and I couldn't. He couldn't really hear me, so we have not talked about it. So I don't know anything more than he's not there anymore. Right, right. And obviously, it's a big loss. You lose someone like that. Um, you can't replace that knowledge. Knowledge can't be taught in terms of experience. And that experience that he brought to the table, I, I think, will be sorely missed by them. Okay, Alan, I may be coming into a... a place where we lose lose connection here so okay yeah 
All right, I'll, I'll uh, just get a couple quick questions at you. Um, now, Tesla. Well, we can pick it up later on today or tomorrow morning. That's true. If you want, if you want yeah, if, if we cut out for sure. Um, Got to ask you about Tesla. I mean, how proud are you of Tesla? I mean, she keeps onward and upward in the wrestling industry. Well, I think that, uh, you know, I've, I've encouraged her and my children to, you know, set their goals high and what they want to uh, achieve. I think that uh, I don't get to see a lot of Tesla stuff. Um, but she is definitely diligent and she is working hard and I am absolutely proud of her. Um, I do think that if I could get with her for about three weeks and watch her in the ring, that I could probably give her some tidbits, some nuggets. Right. But... very much of the product at all you know the wrestling business may have passed me uh, but I do know how to entertain people and I do know what it takes to, to get people out of their seats and make them scream and that part is not a lot of people have that knowledge and that's the stuff that I can teach her now. Right on. And I know that she keeps getting uh, bigger and better. And, and, you know, obviously her goals are to reach the top of anything that she would like to do based on what you said and what she's trying to strive to do. Um, I know that um, her matches, like you said, you haven't seen a ton of it, but she really seems to be the competitor that goes out there. Not only um, you can see that Tully Blanchard, you know, within her, but she's willing to go that extra mile and, and sort of steal the show like you guys did. Well, I, she sat through two or three seminars that I've done. And that I always talked about at a seminar. Um, you know, my goal every night was to have the best match on the card, whether I was on first or on last. And, and that is, you know, making people scream the longest and the loudest. And, uh, you know, and I didn't do anything. I didn't use your high spot or your finish for a high spot. I mean, I just went out and worked and did it the old-fashioned way. But she has listened and, and to things like that because she's like a sponge in, in wanting to learn. And uh, in those seminars, I also talked about uh, my conversations with Nick Bockwinkle and Terry Funk and Dory Funk Jr. and Harley Race because and Wahoo McDaniel because you, if you want to be really good at something, don't go copy some middle-of-the-road guy. Go copy the best. Imitation is the greatest form of flattery, and, and you want to imitate somebody that is the absolute most greatest success. And that's what I did. And those guys liked my dad enough and liked me enough to sow into my life. And uh, the knowledge that they gave me and helped me through 
the formative years of my career were unbelievable. Man, what a special upbringing for you in the industry. And Nick Bonkwoka, you, you mentioned him. He was actually the first ever pro wrestler I interviewed uh, back about 12 years ago. And uh, may he rest in peace and well. What a true icon uh, in wrestling. One of the best talkers, too. And uh, just two more quick things, Telly. And uh, you, we talk about the promo, the art of the promo, and drawing people in in the seats to, to watch the matches. Um the Horsemen, especially you and Rick and Arn, I mean, just hands above all the rest, you know. Uh, what was it about the promo, the art of the promo, that you guys just went out there and the guns were blazing when you guys were talking? Well, I mean, I think it's probably a lost art form because you didn't have to write a script for us. You just had to say, we're wrestling, you're wrestling Dusty, you're wrestling the Rock and Roll Express, and you're in St. Louis, and you're in uh, such and such. And then we could take it and run with it and sell tickets. Man. And uh, so, anyway... That was a great time, you know, and like you said, it may never be duplicated again. Horsemen, promos. Uh, last quick question I wanted to ask you today, Tully, and, and certainly you've done some tremendous work helping others, uh, going to facilities and venues and, and prisons across the country to, to help motivate people and talk about your journey. Um, when someone looks at you and you look at them and they're looking for something, whatever it may be, about their life situation, about improving it, about getting better. What do you tell them, you know, as in the ministry and to, to improve their quality of life? It, it all starts with your foundation. And if your foundation is not Jesus Christ, it is, it's, it's, it's um, faulty. And because that is the foundation. And you notice I, I, I keep it to one person. The, the thing's got to be built on a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, not religion. There's world religions, there's denominations, there are control mechanisms that, that are not necessarily good for everybody. But if you can take it back to a personal friendship with Jesus, and learn about his life by reading the Bible, you will have three steps ahead of everybody else by doing that. Well, that's excellent, Tully. And, you know, we wish you nothing but the best in the future of the ministry. Uh, obviously, it was fantastic talking about pro wrestling here today and, and talking about your history. And, and also, give us a, can you give us a little uh, sneak peek about what's coming out next? Obviously, uh, you're writing something pretty special. Well, I've got a, uh, a uh, ghostwriter writing uh, a book for me and trying to get it, we're trying to get it published. And uh, hopefully it'll be out within the next year. And uh, we've got things cranking pretty good on it. And if that comes out, the name of the book is I Quit. Mm -hmm. And uh, 
since I never quit in uh, in Starcade '85, but I did quit when I came face to face with Jesus Christ, and uh, when I learned how to depend on Him, my life changed and everything about about me changed. So. Wow. Well, we can't wait for it to come out, Tully, and uh, I, I leave the door open for you here at the very end. I'll leave it open for you. Any final thoughts or observations right here with Andy Baldowski here on WrestlingInc.com? Well, I'm just thrilled that uh, you guys still want to hear anything I got to say. <laughs> <laughs> no doubt about it. Absolutely. <laughs> well, Tully, want to say thank you so much, and uh, you know, it really is an honor to talk to you and a privilege, and you know, the, the very thing that's special about all of this is that, you know, what you do hitting the pavement every day, helping your fellow man, and that, that really is a true testament to your will and uh, your desire to uh, to make this place better and, and certainly the wrestling industry and beyond. So, Tully Blanchard, thank you so much for WrestlingInc.com. We'll look forward to that book really soon. Thank you. Thank you to Michael for joining me at the top of the show uh, for talking all the, the news of the past 24 hours. Thank you to Glenn for coming on and chatting with me about the merits of women wrestling. And thank you to Andy Malinowski for that interview he did with Tully Blanchard. Again, Andy, Saturday night, WWE Live, Elmira, New York. Andy's going to be doing some ring announcing. So go out there, support him. Uh, give him a, some give him some love out there. Make his first time as a WWE ring announcer special. Um, and again, I will be at uh, C2E2 here in Chicago this Saturday covering generally what's going on uh, for about an hour before the AEW panel uh, starts at 2.45. Uh, we'll be live streaming that over on the uh, Wrestling Inc. Facebook page. So if you want to check out what's going on with uh, the Bucks and Omega over at C2E2, who knows? Maybe somebody will pop up on stage, a surprise guest. Anything can happen at C2E2. Uh, we're your place. We're your destination for all of that. Uh, Michael, anything you want to plug, promote, put over here before we wrap up the show today? Nothing to plug, especially working on a couple of articles that will hopefully be coming out in the coming weeks. I'm already in the queue, so uh, just keep an eye on Wrestling Inc. there. I think my articles have been going up on the weekends, but you can always follow me on Twitter. I am at The Real Wiseman, and I do like to share those out as they go live. And then always, if you want to see pictures of my my, my cute dachshund, my two cats, uh, whatever else is happening in my life, follow me on Instagram. I am at Wiseman.ma. Uh, and uh, yes, I am at Wink Rebel over on Twitter at WINC, like Wrestling Inc. Rebel. Uh, I'll be back on Tuesday here with Michael, and then Wednesday, Thursday, Justin Labar will be back as well. We got a whole week. I've, I'm still backlogged on interviews, so it'll be uh, two a days uh, all next week as well. A uh, couple interviews I guess I'll tease you with for next week. I'm going to be talking to Sam Adonis. Uh, he is the brother of Corey Graves, and he is also the most hated heel in all of Mexico right now. Uh, and he'll be going over to Japan for the uh, Japan Champions Carnival, uh, all, uh, all Japan Champions Carnival soon. So that's a big one I'm excited about. Uh, who else do we got coming up next week? I got Sammy Guevara, uh, AEW standout Sammy Guevara will be on the show next week. Um, I will have Frank the Clown will be on the show next week. Very excited to, to talk to Frank. Love Frank the Clown. What a nice guy. Um, a whole bunch of other folks. I don't have the list in front of me. So uh, tune in. We'll have a good time next week. And uh, thank you all very much for tuning in. And remember, if you winked, you didn't miss it. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. 
Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.